as I get myself together up here, welcome everyone this morning as we're excited about what God is doing in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. I know y'all going to be excited later when the football games are on and you're going to be excited yelling and screaming, especially if it's your, if it's your team or not. And I gather it's not your team around here because the Washington no-names are no longer in the playoffs. But either side, no longer are the Rams, so I'm with you. I'm in your camp. Uh, we no longer have our teams in the playoffs. But nevertheless, there are some in this place that are Bills fans, Jarmu's family, not saying, but uh, that we want to at least cheer for the Bills. So can you all come with me and cheer for the Bills today? No, I didn't think so. Okay. Do you, do you love Greg and, and the Jarmu's family? Yeah, no, y'all y'all don't even have love for him. Gosh, man, that's terrible. All right, anyway, just thought I'd have some fun this morning. All right, so we're in now in the fourth week of Forward, our sermon series. And as you may see, there's some rocks that are laying around here. And um, I'm just going to tell you that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a little, little spot here, what I call a cairn, as the Bible would call it, just a heap of rocks. But they're just a small little heap of rocks. And then I have a picture here. Some years ago, in a life group that I was involved in a church about 12, 13 years ago, we had a, a, just a craft with our children. And what we did is that in a fish symbol here, we had the little stones that were glued on here. And Joshua 4.6 is stated here. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? And we're going to be talking about that passage in just a short minute. But also, I just want to share with you that when we did it, we placed this, my wife and I, back in Pennsylvania, we placed this on our mantle. So whenever I'm laying back watching a football game or TV in general and just laying back in my recliner chair, I tend to look up over there when I did, and I would look and see the picture. And it would remind me of God's faithfulness and how he continues to be faithful. He was faithful then. He will be faithful now. Amen. And so, so then my wife just got some stones and she put together um, some memorial stones here as that we would know it as, as a Karen. And that's on our mantle as well to remind us of God's faithfulness. Now, I'm going about to get out of the camera for just a minute. So I don't know how many of you guys can come and work with me. But I have the bigger memorial stones right here. And uh, I asked Pastor Dennis to get me a few since he is, he's, uh, he's a beast because he did, he pulled together about a ton and a half of stone around his house. And I said, I gather you have some of these bigger memorial stones for me. So, so he did. And, and these are something that we could think about when we're looking at this passage of the stones that they had to do when they had to carry it over through the dry ground when God parted the Jordan River. And so I gather they were probably a little bit bigger, but we'll see some of these as well. So I'm just going to display them here. So as I have all of these memorial stones around me, it should help, hopefully help me to navigate through what we want to talk about today. So if you would, open up your Bibles and look with me to Joshua chapter 4. And as you do, I'm just going to read one particular verse in chapter 3 of Joshua because we're heading into a narrative. And when you're talking through a narrative, you have to at least understand the next step in the narrative. And so in verse 17, I'll read. It says, Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And we got to understand now when they 
went before this Jordan, there's a flood stage, waters are raging, uh, which would be typical in a drier season, would be about a couple of hundred yards long. But in the case of a flood stage, they said it can go up to a mile long, where you can't get across. Because it's about three to ten feet, at what point you don't know where the water's going to drop. And even though you have to get over, it's not just yourself. Now you're thinking of hundreds of thousands of people that have to cross over the river. So recanting the story from last week, we're, tell, we're kind of walking into chapter 4 to see that what God has started, he will finish. Remember in chapter 1, Joshua, he said, where your feet will step in stone, I will give you the land. So they were stepping into a river, but God said, just put your feet, get them wet. And then when he did, he parted the Jordan River. Now, it's not just like any other feet. It's supernatural. It's not like, you know, you can go over there and stop. I mean, I don't know when's the last time you heard that happen. But when you're thinking about it, this is what's before them. And as now, when we're looking at chapter four, let me just read with you here, read to you. When All the nations, it says here, the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight." So they're, they're walking, and they have these particular stones, but they're talking about a place specifically where the priests were standing firmly. Then verse 4, Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, the 12 tribes, one representing each one, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the, the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. So the ark of God is the presence of God. Going before, as I said last week, 3,000 feet ahead, uh, 10 uh, or so football fields. And you have to understand it's like that's what's ahead. And that's understanding that, wow, God is way ahead and they're making sure of that. And as it says, it says this, it says, each one take up each a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel. So they're taking a bigger memorial stone and putting it on their shoulder to carry it over. Now, as they're moving forward, they're wanting to station about two miles prior, two miles just short of Jericho because that's the next battle. And so they have battle that's ahead of them, but they have to get across. So we have to understand and realize that today we want to talk about a sermon entitled Place the Stones on the Mantle because this is a memorial. This is something that we're remembering about what God has done and what he continues to do. And as you think about it, when we're moving forward in the midst of our unprecedented time with the pandemic all around us, the uncertainty that continues, how do we continue moving forward knowing we don't have a clue what's going to happen? This time last year, we had no idea what 2020 would become. And now that we're seeing 2020 gone, we're in 2021 and we're still walking through this pandemic. And so we have no idea what God is doing. But we know this. How do we keep moving forward with passion? Because, see, many people are becoming more and more depressed. Suicides are up. Homicides are up. Armed robberies are up. uh, Burglaries are up. Everything is up. 
And the question is, how do we navigate as God's people in the midst of all of this? Do we give up or do we move forward? So if everything's up, we can't give up. We got to move forward. And if God said, I gave you the land, you just got to move forward and fight. And if I gave you something, let me tell you something. When God says he'll give you something, that means he's going to see you through it. So when you go through whatever trial you're going through, when you're one of his, he's going to see you through it. But you got to believe that. That's faith. You may not see what's ahead of you. Even if God is 3,000 feet ahead of you, he's got a plan. He's setting the road for you and I. But we got to believe him for now, even if we can't see him. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? God's saying, I got this. Just trust me. And so it's important for us to understand. So as we move forward, what can these stones remind us? And that's kind of the couple of things I want to talk about today. As we move forward, what do these stones remind us of that? So I think it reminds us of this. There's a couple of things here. I believe that God will pass over us, not pass by us. God will pass over us, not pass by us. Because, you know, he passes before us. He's always in front of us. And even as we understand, this was the time of the Passover. And the Israelites were reminded of another episode that happened prior with the Red Sea. And how God parted the sea, a much bigger impossibility. And yet God parted the Red Sea and now they have before them the raging waters of a river. And so moving in, and moving forward, we have to understand that God will always pass over before us. And as he does that, he's, he's passing with the understanding that the Passover is what he did even at the Red Sea. So as God is passing before us and we think of the Passover, we have to understand that God is getting us prepared again to see what he's done for the Israelites. Look with me to Joshua 4, 6, and 7. He says this, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. You would, he would say, he says, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, so these stones will be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now, you got to look at the word sign, because the word sign is an understanding of a pledge, a commitment, a miracle. This is where God is saying, right before you, I have performed a supernatural miracle. And as I have performed this, I am ahead of you preparing things that you don't see. And I have a purpose for what you're going through. So whatever trial, whatever difficulty, whatever impossibility, whatever thing that we can't figure out, God is saying, I am before you. He did that. He was telling his own. They were, he did that with the Red Sea. Even in Exodus 12, 26, 27, it says this. When they commemorated the Passover, they said, and when the children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people in Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads in worship. See, the Passover was of a time in the Old Testament where the Israelites saw God deliver them from a very difficult time especially during the plagues in Egypt. They were servants of Egypt, and now they had to believe God that when he said, put the blood on the doorpost that I will pass over you, they had to believe God that he would not kill them, but pass over them and save them and set them free and deliver them from death. And so they did. They believed him, and now they were able to tell their children. 
They were able to say that God went before us. He passed over us and went before us. He didn't pass by us. He, he considered us. And so in the midst of a difficult time, they were, saw God's hand of a miraculous movement, a sign that God was with them. How about you? How about me? We go through tough times. We feel as though we're isolated. God doesn't care. He's abandoned us. He doesn't think about me. He doesn't think about you. When difficult times come, they seem to even become more and more and, and increasing. And then you start to feel lonely and depressed and wondering what in the world is going on. Then the enemy attacks us and starts telling us God doesn't love us or care for us, that he's not concerned for us, and that he doesn't have a plan for us, that he doesn't have anything ahead for us, that he's, it's just a big old ploy. It's a game. He's manipulating us. He's deceiving us. God is not God. And Satan will continue to throw those lies. And you and I will believe it because we're feeling it. And we feel this, this sense of abandonment. And we feel this sense of isolationism. And then we wonder. But God is saying, no, I'm before you. What I started, I will see you through. I know I have a plan. It's a covenant. It's a pledge. It's a commitment. When God is loyal to something, he will continue to do it. And that's what we have to remember, that God and his amazing work with these stones is that God went before the Israelites. And he got them through an impossible time. So when we look at these stones and the Karen that was placed in the middle of the, the Jordan River, it's a remembrance of what God has done. And that's deliverance. It's deliverance in the Old Testament with the Red Sea and the Passover. And it's deliverance again where God delivers his people from a very difficult situation. And I love what Warren Wernsby says this. You do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rear view mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. And this is vital because we got to keep moving forward. We got to know God is for us. He's ahead of us. We can't look back. We can't think about or even focus on the past. We got to keep moving forward. Number two, as we understand Guys, it's not working. When we pass on a legacy by passing down the value of obedience, the value of obedience to God, we pass on a legacy by passing down the value of God, of obedience to God. Look with me to chapter 4, verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. Let's read this together. It says, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes and the people of Israel. So here they're going in and they're taking these stones. They're taking these big stones with them and they're carrying them over to the other side and they're carrying them on their shoulder as it says in verse 5. And so they're carrying them over because, and now, can you imagine? You pick up the stone and you're saying, okay, uh, what are you doing? Uh, God told me, or Joshua told us we have to pick up these stones. For what? I don't know. We just got to pick them up and carry them over. But why are we just carrying over stones? Because Joshua told us to do and we're going to obey him. Okay, that don't make sense. You ever notice that when you're in the midst of a trial, you don't know God tells you to do something, but it makes no sense, and you sit there and you go, uh, God, I, I don't know why you have me doing this. This makes no sense. There's no logical sense. I don't get it. Why are you telling me to pick up the stone and carry it over? But if God tells us, if he's ahead of us, and he's telling us to do something, what is he teaching us? What is he teaching us now? What has he been teaching us in the midst of this pandemic. Why is it that God is trying to teach us obedience and we're still looking for it to, to be done? 
Because God is trying to say, just obey me. That's what I'm looking for, obedience, because I want to draw near to you as you draw near to me. I want a relationship with you as you have a relationship with me. I want you to see that I'm going to carry you through it one step at a time. And so just as the Lord told Joshua, and then they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And in verse 9, it says this, and Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. Now, notice it didn't say God told him to put 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, nor does it say that God rebuked him when he did it. And I'm going to read on. It says, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant stood, and there to this, they're there to this day. See, that right specific time, if we were to say this was the, the place, right, where he put stones, say there was 12 of them here, and he placed them right there at that spot where the priests were standing in the presence of God as they were head of all the people of Israel to deliver them from this impossible situation. See, that is a memorial. That in and of itself is a reminder of how God has set us free from salvation. And see, these stones, when they're placed there, although we can never see them in the river, it's a reminder to look back. When we're going through difficult times and trials and tribulations, we don't understand, and we're feeling inadequate. We, don't feel, we feel vulnerable. We feel like we don't, we're insecure. God is saying, I want to remind you of the stones. I want to remind you that at this point, you have to see that it is me who did a work, an impossible situation I made possible. And if you're going through this, just remember the memorial stones. Remember the Karen. Remember that I worked in that situation, and I'm faithful now, and I can work in this situation again. It gives us that reminder that we need to obey him. And when we do so, then all of a sudden, then this makes sense when we're able to pass it down to our children and grandchildren. Because then we're reminded of saying when we begin to trust God, then God is doing a work in the midst of us. And then we can pass that down as a legacy in our lives. That's why it's important when he says this, and as, the, as, as verse 11, he says, And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. Because God, as we're moving forward in obedience, God continues to move ahead of us. And as we begin to trust him and rely on him through the most difficult times, each time we do that, we add to the legacy. We add, we pass it down to our children. Because when we're going through tough times, when you're going through financial struggles, when you're going through impossible situations in your marriage, when you're going through difficult times where the children is wayward or a child is wayward or children are wayward, you want to lean on God. And when you lean on God and when your children see that you're depending on God in the most difficult times in your life, that's when your faith counts. That's when God is doing that work and you're able to pass down that legacy because you're obeying him in the midst of it all. You're saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you even when it's difficult. I'm going to carry. It's like I said, if this stone, this memorial stone would just be a, a, a metaphorical stone, if I had it to put it in my pocket, I'm carrying it with me all the time because I'm looking down, I'm looking at my pocket and saying, oh yeah, I'm going through a difficult time. I remember the memorial stone. I remember God's faithfulness to his people. If he's faithful, then he's going to be faithful now. <clears throat> and that's the obedience that God is calling each one of us as we carry that out. I remember that sometimes, though, it's difficult because we as children can, you know, when we're, we're struggling, we're going through a difficult time, sometimes it's hard. I know some of you who are parents and some of you that are grandparents, you recall when we were children how we used to whine when we didn't want to obey. Um, 
It used to be difficult. You know, it's like when you hear the child whining, oh, mommy, why do I have to do this? It's Lisa's turn. I did it yesterday. Or when you hear that, sure, I'll do it later. I'm busy right now. Oh, I, I guess you didn't hear me correctly. I said, I need you to do that right now. Uh, not right now. I'm busy right now. I'll do that later. Well, when is later? You know, it's later. Okay, and what time is later? When I feel like it, when it's later. I said, oh, okay, well, that ain't later, right? That's now. You got to do that right now. Do that now. See, it's when we say, sure, I'll do it, but it never gets done. How many of you as parents, when you say to your child, hey, make sure you get that done, the next day you're like, they didn't even do it? Oh, my gosh, I got to go talk to them. And you get frustrated, and you're like, <laughs> do you remember what I told you yesterday? Uh-huh, yes. Well, I ain't seen it done. And so you get all that, and then, and then they start to whine and they complain. How about if we went to God that way? Uh, I know I need to forgive this person. I'll get to it someday. Not feeling it right now, Lord. I know I should stop committing this sin, but it's hard, Lord. It's difficult. It's real difficult to stop committing this sin. I kind of like this sin, and I don't want to stop. I know I should read your word and pray more. But, Lord, I'm busy and I'm serving you daily. I mean, you know, come on, can you cut me just a little bit of a break? See, the very things that we hear from our children are the very things that we may even do with God. And God continues to remind us that he's saying be steadfast. Be steadfast. I love this passage where in Isaiah 26, 3 through 5, which is a very popular passage during this pandemic. But it says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock, for he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground and casts it to the dust. That's what God's calling us to do, to humble ourselves, to obey him. That's when faith really matters. That's when we're really truly passing down our legacy. That's when they see, our children see Christ in us. We don't act like they do with us, but we try to live an example of obedience to our God. I love the way that's been stated, and I just, the best way to pass down faith is to live by it. Just the best way is to live by it. That's what God has called each one of us. Number three, as we move forward, these stones can remind us too that we need to pass through it and not around it. We need to get past around it. We need to pass through it and not around it. Let's look at Joshua 4, 12 through 14, because they're, now we need to pass through it, because by passing through it, they're going to now get ready for battle. It says, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. And about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of their lives. See, what you got to understand here is there's no way to get to Jericho but to cross the river. The average width of the river, as I stated before, could have been anywhere. Uh, it could have been a couple hundred yards up to, again, a, a couple of miles up because of the stage and the flood stage raging and the water coming through. And it would go anywhere between three to 10 feet deep. To try to get thousands and thousands and thousands of people over was virtually impossible at that time. 
because they would have been killed. The armies of their enemies, they would have, been, they would have killed them on their way because they would have been slow in moving over. And then some scholars believe um, that it would be about 200 miles to go around it just to get over to Jericho. 200 miles around it through the terrain. So there was no other way but to go through it. And how many of us, when we're struggling and we're going through a difficult time and we want to get off the so-called metaphorical road or the spiritual road, when we're going down and there's a trial and we're just like, Lord, get me off the next exit. I'm tired of this. This is hard, Lord. This is very difficult. I don't want to go through this trial. And you're like trying to get God to bring a bypass so you can get off of this so-called journey of a trial. God's like, no, I need to keep you on because you need to see what I have for you on the other side. But Lord, I, don't, I can't handle it anymore. I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. God's like, I know you can't. That's why I'm here. But Lord, I mean, do you really want to put me through so much pain and so much anguish? I mean, God, I am depressed. I can't do this anymore. God's like, but you're never going to get to the other side unless you go through. You got to keep going down this road. But Lord, if I go around, then it's a little bit easier. Let me take a road. Just like we do in our GPS. We're always looking for less, less traffic and an easier way to get around. God's saying, no, you need to go through it. You got to go through this Jordan, and I've got the way. If I've called you to something that I'm not going to see you through it, I'm going to see you through it. I've called you to this. I'm giving you this land. I told you. I promised it to you. But, Lord, it's got to be easier. Give me a break. This is getting hard. And God's like, no, you got to fight. I love when God was just telling them the same thing before the Red Sea. We, we, we look at the episode in Exodus 14. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see them again. And I'm like thinking, wait a minute. Were they thinking like, you're not going to see them again because you're going to kill me now, Lord? Like, I'm going to die and I won't see them anymore? Because all I see behind me is Egyptians. And there are a lot of them. And they're armed. And they're coming with their chariots and their horses. And all I see in front of me is this big old scene. I don't see how in the world we're going to get over to the other side. So, Lord, what are you doing here? Are you saying I'm going to die now? And God's like, will you just stand still, son, and stop complaining? Stop worrying? I got this. I told you I got this. And then it goes on. It says, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Because <laughs> I would sit there and go, but, but Lord, I don't get it. And I'd start counseling God. I don't see this. This is not logical. It's not possible. God's like, just be silent, son. Shut up in love. <laughs> Let me trust. Just trust me. I got this. And verse 15, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? <laughs> Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Did I not tell you? And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. It's like, okay. And then he just does this. And then the sea just parts. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Wow. CNN just heard that, hey, you know, the, the sea just parted. Have you guys any heard anything since then? I mean, this is a miracle. Have you ever heard of any news, any rivers, anything parting? I've not heard of it since. But God and his supernatural work does that. And what does it say? I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. I'll take care of these Egyptians behind you. I'll take care of your struggle. I'll take care of your impossibility. I'll take care of your depression. I'll take care of your insecurities. I'll take care of your vulnerabilities. I'll take care of your brother. I'll take care of your sister. Just trust me. And then all of a sudden he goes, and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and his host. Don't try to figure it out. I got this. It's my glory, not yours. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten 
glory. He goes, when I have gotten glory over the Pharaoh, they will know. His chariots and his horsemen. They will know. That's what it comes down to. We have to understand that God's going to say, you got to go through this. You got to go through this, this trial. You got to go down this road. You can't be blessed unless I take you down there. George Mueller, an evangelist in the 1800s, said, the only way to learn strong faith is to endure strong trials. We have to endure it. We have to go through it. Because no matter what impossible situation we face, we always pass with flying colors because God always finishes what he starts. He always finishes what he starts. He's always doing that. Look, I mean, look at it in verse, in, in verse 18. He says, when the priests bearing the ark of the, of the covenant of the Lord came up in the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet, feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowing all its banks as before. Meaning what he said from very first chapter, verse 3, he says, where your feet go, I will give to you. They just stepped over. Standing on the bank, and then the water went, came all back in. I mean, I don't know how God does it. It's just amazing. Here it's dry, one step. It's just like, step. I'm like, wow. I would have been like, wow, Lord, can, can we do that again? Bring the waters back. Let me step back and go, let's do this again. Wow, that's a good trick. Can you teach me that? No, nah, son, keep walking. Keep going forward. And I just, you know, because we're all looking and wondering. We're just, God's like, just trust me and move forward. I'm going to finish what I started. I have a plan for you. Well, just, just let me do it. Will you just let me do it? That's what God wants you and I to add to the legacy. That's what he wants us to do. Chapter 4, verse 21 says this. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The word know again, just like he said in the time of Exodus before the Red Sea, that they may know it's his glory. It's all about him. It's all his glory. See, I was thinking about it this morning because if God desires for all people to know him, just like Rahab, when she heard about and came to and came to understand the God of Israel and came to know the God of Israel and came to salvation, so too you and I have that opportunity. And I was thinking about it this morning. I said, wow, Lord, what is it about your glory? I mean, what is it about the things that are said today in Christianity with these younger people? And I love the new songs and all that. It's all great. It's awesome. And, and, and the words. But when I hear something like what's best for me, you know what's best for us is God's glory. That's what's best. Because when God gets the glory, if you and I are one of his, bought with a price, and we are called and bearing the name of Christian, then guess what? He's going to have what's best for us. So that what is best for us is to be an empty vessel, surrendered and obedient to God, allowing our lives so that we can be a, 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 an instrument of faith, so that when we do, our children will see our faith, and then we can pass down that legacy. And then when we look to these rocks and realize how God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now, we rest in that. 
and God gets the glory. And then all we have to do is what he says at the end, that the Lord is mighty and that we would fear him. Oh, what it would look like in a church if the people of God would just fear him and see how mighty he is. Oh, what a church would look like today. I'm moved by that. 2008, quick story. My wife and I were transitioning. We were at the church for about a couple of years. We're in transition. I had my own business and contract, and then God called us to an assignment to come back up into Pennsylvania to become a pastor of a church where another church sponsored me to get started or restart another church in Jersey. And so in June of 2008, it was, a, it was real quick. It happened real quick. The pastor, the lead pastor of the other church said, I, I really believe you're the one, and God has put on my heart to hire you to do this. And as that happened, it was so quick that we didn't even have time to think about selling our house. We had to get our house together. So I had to be up there within a month, a month and a half. And so I said, I, I need to pray about this to make sure this is what God wants us to do. And I went into prayer, and the Lord said, you shall do this. I said, but Lord, we don't have any money. He goes, you will do this. I said, okay, Lord, you told me to do it. I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. My wife goes, what is God telling you? He's telling us to go. So I told, I was teaching at the church uh, in an ABF class, 55 and older. It was a great group of about 70 people. And I got close to some of them and a couple I got real close with. And I told them about our situation. And secretly, she went around the whole church telling the pastor and everyone. There's a church of about close to eight, 900 people. And he was like, and I didn't know what was happening. My wife and I walk in. She goes, we have a surprise for you. And we're walking into the foyer. And there was money tree sitting in front of us with gifts. And they said, God has placed this on our hearts. We want to take, we want, we, God told us to do this. We had a party. We prayed. They all prayed for us. Counted up the money. It was about close to $4,000. And we sat there because we said, well, Lord, I, I have this house I still have to take care of, and I got a rental coming up. And he's like, I'll take care of you. I mean, did you, don't you know, son, that what I've started, I will finish? Do you know that when I call you to something, I will see you through it? My wife and I went, and we went with $3,000 of rental for two properties, but God saw us through it because we got support for a year on top of a salary because God saw us through it. I didn't know. I had no idea. All I knew was that God told me to go, and I went. Because God will set the path before me. He's 3,000 feet ahead of me. I know that. I know that. And that's legacy. That's legacy. That's what God's called us to, a legacy. We want to be a people of living faith. We don't want to be a people who are falling aside. I love what Warren Warnsby said. He said, there's nothing wrong with memorials, provided that they don't become religious idols that turn our hearts from God, and provided they don't so link us to the past that we fail to serve God in the present. Glorifying the past is a good way to petrify the present and rob the church of power. The next generations need reminders of what God has done in history, but these reminders may, must also strengthen their faith and draw them closer to the Lord just love that statement because the question is where's God at work in your life today are you in tune with him what story could you add to the Karen what story could we add to these memorial stones how can we share the love of Jesus Christ well, we believe God 
is doing it one, I'll say one stone at a time, building our stories for his kingdom. And today we are even going into a, another baptism of a life changed. And we want to believe God for that. And so as we do, let's see God add more stories of living faith today. What is your Jordan River? What step do you need to take? What's your forward step? Are you going to believe God? Place the stones on the mantle. I would encourage you to do this project with your children. It's an awesome project. Also, if you have some stones, you know, memorial stones, it would be great to put on your mantle just to remind you of God's goodness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us today of placing these memorial stones on our mantle, of your faithfulness to your people, the Israelites, when you promised them a land and you said, I w I've given it to you, now move forward, I will bless each step that you take. Lord, they were facing many trials. They had to face even their enemies ahead of them. And yet they had obstacle upon obstacle and you miraculously moved with them and before them. So, Father, today, we ask that this morning, this afternoon, or now turning this afternoon, that you would encourage our hearts to look to you, to take that step toward you, to enjoy you so that you'll get the glory. And, God, may you get the glory in everything we do. And we love you for all that you're going to do moving ahead. We love you, and we ask that you'll move us forward for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm Madeline Gummery or Maddie, to everyone except my mom. I had the privilege of having parents that found Jesus and raised me and my brother in this church. I also attended the school here from pre-K through 12th grade. At a young age, I ex 